Welcome to the weekly sermon at Gateway. My name is Jason McNabb. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses serious problems in the church that we still deal with in our day. And through this series, we're also learning how we can live for Christ even as we're tempted to live for ourselves. You can find more information about this series at gatewaycrc.org. And now here's this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Rachel. You might see a lot up here. I'm doing my profession of faith this morning. Um, but I'm just going to read from 1 Corinthians. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, Eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience' sake, the other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Did you ever find yourself wondering once in a while if you're free to do certain things or not? when the Bible doesn't really give clarity on whether or not you can do it. This is what we might want to call those gray areas of Christian living. Because you know, the Bible is incredibly clear on a lot of things on how we are able to live right in relationship with the Father. But there are a lot of areas where it's a bit unclear, where it doesn't give clear direction or even address certain topics at all, and we kind of are left wondering, are we allowed or are we not allowed to pursue something or do something? Let me use tattooing for an, inst for an example. Many of us have wrestled with the idea of getting a tattoo or not. And I'm sure this has been a debate in your home. Is it right? Is it wrong to get a tattoo? Because you know, the Bible isn't exactly clear on the issue. There's nowhere in Scripture that you are going to read that it says, The Lord saith, Thou shalt not get a tattoo. So we're kind of left wondering a little bit within our Christian freedom, is a tattoo something that we're allowed to do? And those that are opposed to tattoos will right away turn to Leviticus 19. And they will be very quick to say, the Bible says in Leviticus 19, you shall not get markings on your body. That's what it says. But when we look a little bit into the context of Leviticus 19, it doesn't necessarily refer to the tattoos that we're talking about today because in Leviticus 19, it's talking to the Israelites who've been released out of slavery from Egypt and the Egyptians had tattoos on their body and it was for two things. One, to give honor and glory to their gods and secondly, it was for a good luck charm primarily for the ladies so that they would have good luck and good fortune during childbirth. It's a little bit different than getting a tattoo today, isn't it? So not really clear. But then people will say, well, let's turn to 
book of 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where it says in there that our body is not our own. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Then right away they said, that's the reason why you should not do it. And yet, does it? It's not really clear either way. Because getting a tattoo, it doesn't go against any governmental laws, and the Bible isn't overly clear either way if we should be getting a tattoo. This is just one of those topics, and please, before you send me emails, I am not endorsing tattoos one way or the other. So parents, it's okay. right? But this is really just one of those issues that we wrestle with in life, isn't it? It's It's that gray area that we need to figure out together. And as we take a closer look at our passage, again, and thank you, Rachel, so much for reading that, we notice that the Corinthian church is wrestling with a gray area of Christian living. They're perhaps not dealing so much with whether or not get a tattoo, but they're dealing with this whole idea of can we eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Can you hear them? Can you hear the Corinthian church? They're probably on a Sunday afternoon debating the topic, aren't they? They've gone home, they're wrestling with this whole idea on a Sunday afternoon, they're having that that family discussion. What do we do with this whole topic? Some in the group are saying, you betcha, let's eat it, let's dive in. God gave us a cow, therefore he gave us steak, let's eat, let's chop down, let's enjoy, let's have a feast over a meal. Others are probably sitting there, don't even come close. Don't look at it, don't smell it, don't sniff it. Just step back because it is something that we cannot touch because it was sacrificed to an idol. The parents are probably looking at their kids and say, oh man, our kids have gone so liberal. They'll eat anything nowadays. They'll do whatever they can. It's a go culture world. Anything goes in this culture. Our kids. And the kids are probably looking up at the parents and say, man, loosen up a little bit. Stop being so traditional. Give a little. And we wrestle with these things. Probably the Corinthians church isn't a whole lot different than how we deal with some of these things in life. So how does Paul step into the discussion to address these issues with the Corinthian church and therefore address these issues for us today? As there is room in in the Bible for interpretation. Well, Paul begins by saying this. He says this. Some things that are allowed are not always helpful. Some things that are allowed are not always helpful. Take a look at verse 23 again. It says this. It says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Just because we are free to do something, it doesn't mean we should do it. But nor does it mean we shouldn't do it. Because you see, our Christian freedom is a tremendous blessing from the Lord for which we should give thanks to God daily. But our Christian freedom can also be a curse if we're not careful with this freedom. Because of our freedoms, if we don't keep them in check, can lead us and others down a path that is not beneficial to you or to those around you. For example, take smoking, either tobacco or marijuana. Smoking is is not breaking any governmental laws, is it? Having a smoke, either tobacco or marijuana, it's allowed nowadays, but it can be one of those kind of those gray areas of Scripture. 
to smoke or not to smoke? That's the question, isn't it? We are allowed. It's within our Christian freedom to light up, or it's in our governmental freedom to light up. The Bible doesn't say either way whether we should smoke, but the question we have to ask you, is smoking beneficial? Is it? In those cases where things get a little bit more dicey, a little bit more tricky, should our behavior be dictated by our freedoms? Should our behavior be dictated by the freedoms that we have in Christ, or do we have to think through a whole lot more? That's the question, isn't it? And I believe that Paul says there is a whole lot more that we have to think about. Take a look at verse 24 if you still have your Bibles open. It says this, No one should seek their own good but the good of others. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. What Paul is saying is this, it is not all about you. It's not all about me. It's not all about my desires. It's not all about your freedoms. It's not all about the rights and freedoms that we so want to live in on a regular basis. It's about others. It's always about others. It's about the person that's sitting next to you in the seats this morning. It's about the person that you're going to meet in the grocery store this week. It's about the person that you're going to walk by in the hallways at school tomorrow. It's the people on your sports team. These are the people. Those are the people that we have to be thinking about on a more regular basis. This passage of Scripture tells us to take our narcissistic world, to turn it upside down, to give it a good shake, and to say, stop thinking about yourself. Because we got to start thinking a whole lot more about others. Isn't that how Jesus lived? He always thought about others more than himself, didn't he? Honestly, would God the Father have sent his son to the cross if God was thinking more about himself than he was about you? Would Jesus have been obedient to his father and gone to the cross if all he was doing was thinking about himself? Would Jesus have died the brutal death the agony of it, if he was only thinking about himself? Here's the truth. Jesus went to the cross. He died the brutal death because he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was innocent. We're not. We deserve the punishment, but he took the punishment in our place because he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was not thinking so much about himself. He had you on his mind 100% of the time. And if we profess this morning that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, if we here profess to be a Christian, isn't Jesus who we're supposed to be modeling in our life? on that road that we call sanctification, that we must, we must strive on a daily basis to live more and more and more like Christ. Through the working of the Holy Spirit, we are to model him in everything that we do. 2 Peter 2.18 says it this way, that we are to grow in knowledge. 
that we are to grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a counter-cultural way of thinking, isn't it? But it's the way we need to think. It's the way that we need to live into our Christian freedoms. When we have the mind of Christ, we need the mind of Christ. For in doing so, that is when we truly become free. In Christ and for Christ alone. And that, friends, is precisely where our Christian freedom lies. In Christ, for the glory of God, for the love of others so that many may be saved. When it comes to these gray areas of life, I dare to say, or I propose that we've been asking the wrong question. We often ask the question of should I or should I not do this? See, when we ask the questions with I, should I or should I not, it makes this passage of Scripture, it makes this question very much an inward-focused type of a question. It makes it about my desires and my wants. So I'm going to propose this morning that we begin asking the question quite differently. I want to propose we ask the question this way. Will my actions edify others? Will my actions edify others? This is a very different question. This makes it all about others, not about you. Romans 12, 19 says this, Let us therefore make every effort to lead to peace and mutual edification. That is not destructive language. That is unifying language. That is language that brings us together, that bonds us together through the love and the peace of Jesus Christ. So when Paul says, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew or Greek or the church of God, it means that we are to build someone's character up spiritually, to help them to stand firm in their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to edify, to build up your neighbor in faith. So does getting a tattoo build another believer up in faith, or is it going to cause them to stumble? Does lighting a smoke edify others or does it allow them to see God more clearly or is it going to cause them to stumble a little bit and only see God through a cloudy haze of confusion? Does eating meat offered to idols, does it raise others up and and bring them into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can see God more clearly or is it going to cause them to stumble You see, these are the right ways we need to ask questions. Not so much about me, but how is it going to affect the other person? See, there's no easy answers to these. There's no yes or no. But it is something that we have to wrestle through together as a body of believers, as brothers and sisters. That we got to pray through these issues together. That we need to dig into God's word together. We need to have the right conversations with the people that we trust, with those whom we have influence over. And then we need to trust and we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because this is where we're going to experience the freedom that we have in Christ. Because your freedom in Christ is vast. When it's in Christ, for the glory of God, 
for the love of others so that many may be saved. See, Paul closes this passage by giving three ways to discern. Three ways to help us to move forward in these gray areas of Christian living. He gets her mind primed for asking the right questions. He gets her mind steered in the right direction so that we begin thinking about others more than ourselves. Because Paul knows that's not an easy thing for us to do as humans. But he says you got to do it. you got to start thinking about others more. Paul asks this, will your actions edify others by giving no offense? Verse 32, it says this, do not cause anyone to stumble. In the Christian standard version, it says, do not cause offense to anyone. We need to stay true to the truths of Scripture. We cannot sway from the biblical truth. That is our foundation of who we are. If people are offended because we're acting in line with Scripture, then offense is needed in love. Catch that? In love for the sake of the gospel, to uphold the truth of the gospel. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. What Paul is talking about here is those less important issues, those gray areas of living. In those cases, Paul is saying, your Christian freedom does not give you to freedom to offend others. The harsh reality is in those moments, perhaps self-denial is required from you. In those moments when we realize that another Christian may be stumbling over an action that you're doing, we may just have to back and say, step back and say, no, I'm not going to do that because of my brother or my sister in Christ. See, if we prayed about it, if you prayed about it, earnestly prayed about it, if you've had the needed conversations that you have needed to have with those that you've trusted, those that you have influence over, if you digged into the Word and you became sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life and you trust that the Holy Spirit is allowing you to move forward with that action, then Paul is saying in the Scripture today, go for it. Go for it. That's the freedom you have in Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, but, but hold on a moment. Just hold on a moment. Because in doing so, Will your actions edify others by giving all the glory back to God? Will your actions edify others by doing it all for the glory of God? Look at verse 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In this context here, what is, what is Paul talking about when he talks about the glory of God? Because the glory of God is a big concept because we're dealing with a God that is much bigger than we are ever able to comprehend with the limitations of our humanity. He is divine. He is holy. He is the one triune God. And as believers in Christ, we are cut into the fabric of his divine family. And as a result, doing it all for the glory of God reaches beyond the worship songs that we sing on a Sunday morning, as beautiful as they may be. It reaches beyond the four walls that many of us like to call church. It goes much deeper. For the glory of God must be in the way that we love our neighbors. 
It has to be in the way that we reach out into our community. It has to be how we help the poor in our family time, in our marriages. The glory of God has to be displayed. The way that we raise our children, the way that we drive our cars, the way that we drop our kids off at school, the music that we listen to, the parties that we go to, the way we wash our dishes and the way we cut our lawn, everything, Paul says, has to be done for the glory of God. There's no exception to the rule. As Christians, they are woven together. We cannot separate the here and the now with the glory of God. It just cannot happen. The here and the now and the glory of God have to be woven together so that in everything that we think about, every action that we do in life, they are together. How will it bring glory to God? Our freedom in Christ does not allow us to break the two apart. It just doesn't. And oh, what a joy. What a joy when the shackles of this world are released. They drop to the ground so that together we can now run into the freedom that is only given to us through Jesus Christ. Oh, what a joy. So if you prayed, if you've dug into God's word, you've had the conversations that you needed to have, with those you trust and those you have influence and you know that it's not going to cause offense to anybody and you know that's going to bring honor and glory to God, Paul says, run into your freedom because that's the freedom we have in Christ. And then he says, but, but before you do that, ask this question. Will your actions edify others by your testimony so that many may be saved? Take a look at verse 33. It says, I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that many may be saved. This is very much an outward way of living, isn't it? We live so that others may come and experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When the Lord does a good work in your life, it is not for us to keep silent. It is for us to proclaim and to share. Sharing our testimony, both the good and the bad parts, can edify those who have difficulty believing that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing that Jesus is love, believing that he is a father that does not abandon, that he is a father that does not harm. Our testimonies give people the ability to overcome their fears, to overcome their anxieties, to overcome their doubts. It shows that we as Christians, we don't have it all together. If you're like me, we have the dark days in life, don't we? But our testimony in Jesus Christ, our faith in Jesus Christ, allows us to press on because we know that there is a brighter tomorrow because of who Jesus is. Our testimonies must always point back to Jesus Christ because it's all about Jesus Christ. Our testimonies tell the world that we belong in life and in death, in body and soul, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we are led by something that this world is unfamiliar with. We are led by a divine God who leads and directs and guides us future to the future because of who he is. All for the glory of God. 
So if you prayed about it, if you've dug into God's word honestly and deeply, if you've talked to others, those that you've trust, those that you have influence over, if you know that it's not going to cause offense to anyone, if you know that your actions are going to bring glory to a holy and a true and divine God, and if you know that through your actions others are going to come to know the saving, saving grace of Jesus Christ, then Paul says, brothers and sisters, you just run. You run into your freedom. Go and enjoy. But give God the glory. And we save and we share our testimony so that others may be saved, that others may be edified. And I want to call the team up forward now at this time. Because for the remainder of our time together, we are going to hear the testimonies of all eight of those who have professed their faith in Jesus Christ today. It is my prayer that as you hear these testimonies this morning, that you are going to be edified in the Word. That you are going to be challenged in your walk. That you are going to appreciate the courage that they have to stand in front of you to share this morning. And it is my prayer that you are going to hear God through their testimonies this morning. Because this is what it's all about, isn't it? Sharing what God has done for us. You've been listening to the latest message in our First Corinthians series focused on learning godly solutions to the problem of sin in our lives. You can find more information about this series and our church's ministry at gatewaycrc.org. I'm Jason McNabb. Please join us next time on the weekly sermon at Gateway.